We're back here in the courtroom of current events with another episode of Peter's Proffer. We're going to be hitting on a topic today that some people have asked us about and it's been in the news lately. We're going to talk about service animals, what they are, uh, how they can be used, how they're classified, and what you have to do if you're a business owner in Florida and around the nation. So thanks for listening in with us. If you have any questions, hit us up on social media at Tragos Law or send me an email, petertragos at greeklaw.com. Right, we're in here today to discuss service animals, um, and I've got Peter Sardis with me, and we've had some cases actually uh, involving service animals that have been kind of interesting, but it's also been coming out in the news lately um, with a bunch of issues surrounding the definition of service animals and how they can actually be used and what happens to you if you fake having a service animal. So let's just start out um, by talking about what a service animal is. A service animal uh, is an animal that's trained to perform a specific task for people with disabilities. And their training actually has to be directly related to that person's disability. For example, um, if somebody has a stability issue and they are imbalanced, then their service animal has to be able to help them with balance. If they have issues with sight or hearing, then that animal has to be trained in seeing things or hearing sounds and alerting its owner. And you were saying you know of some some people that are paralyzed that have spe- specific animals that can... Well, yeah, I've actually seen where they use a specific type of monkey uh, for people that are paralyzed or have uh, impairments that they can't move their arms above shoulder length. And the monkey is trained to actually go up in cabinetry and bring down dishes and things like that for their uh, for their owners. So there are a lot of rules and requirements before something can become a service animal. You can't just have a dog and say, this is my service animal. It actually has to go to a doctor be certified as a service animal. You have to be certified as somebody who needs a service animal. They have to be trained appropriate, appropriately and get a certificate saying that they are a service animal. They have to keep up that training to make sure they stay a service animal. Um, they have to wear the, you know, whatever the appropriate leash or collar or harness is, and they have to be under your control as a service animal. Um, they can't just be running free unless you have a physical disability that does not allow you to hold on to that leash or harness and control your dog physically, but then that service animal has to be trained with signal cues or voice control so that the owner still has control over that dog in order for it to be a service animal. So it's, it's interesting. It's not just like the snap of a finger like some people think to make something a service animal. And we'll get to later, well, then how is it possible that all these fake service animals are around? Well, there's an answer to that, and we'll get to it later. Um, okay, so Pete, why don't you talk about what kind of law applies to service animals and how we get where, where how we get these rules that we've been talking about? The Americans with Disabilities Act is the statute that handles and deals with disabled people. Inside of the ADA is a section that actually discusses service animals. Now, interestingly enough, the federal statute only talks about service dogs. Florida, for example, broadens that definition and talks about service dogs and, of all things, miniature horses. Which is pretty crazy and funny to think that that's one of the animals listed as a service animal. And the ADA actually uh, mentions that service or that uh, miniature horses could potentially be a service animal as well. But each state can set out whatever types of animals they want. And really, under the ADA, the reason that some miniature horses have come in as service animals is if you can get a doctor, and you heard Pete 
uh, talk earlier about how sometimes a monkey can be a service animal because they perform specific tasks that dogs can't or other service animals can't for certain paraplegic people that can't open jars or do anything like that. Uh, and a monkey is able to do that. If you get a doctor that legitimizes this animal to be your service animal, it is still a possibility that that could be certified as a service animal. It just so happens that these laws specifically uh, set out dogs and miniature horses. So one of the confusions with service animals, and it's something I have done myself in the past, is the difference between a service animal and an emotional support animal. So, Pete, why don't you talk a little bit about what the difference is between those two categories? Yeah, sure, you're right. And I think we all generally care, categorize, in quotes, service animals as the entire category. But the service animal, like we talked about earlier, is a trained animal, specifically a dog or a miniature horse in Florida. An emotional support animal can be anything that provides uh, exactly what it is, comfort, companionship, and support for an individual. And it can be a dog, a cat, a you know, um, you know, a hedgehog, anything that fills the void, I guess. And there's a there's a huge difference because emotional support animals are not protected like service animals are. Service animals have a ton of protections in them. Um, you cannot be charged extra to bring your service animal somewhere. For instance, on a plane, you can be charged to bring your emotional support dog on a plane. Um, but if it's an emotional support dog, sometimes they'll let you take it with you as opposed to putting it in a crate underneath. So there's still some protections for emotional support dogs, but it's not the same as for service animals. Additionally, you can bring your service animal anywhere that's a public place, whether or not they allow animals, amusement parks, restaurants, um, open houses, hotels, you can bring them anywhere you want. And it's like, they're not even there. Um, if your uh, apartment complex doesn't allow animals and you have a service animal, they have to let you have that service animal with no additional deposit or charge because of that service animal. Emotional support animals do not have those same protections. Um, and really when we get into a lot of those protections, and I think a lot of people that have problems with service animals really have problems with emotional support animals because those are a lot easier to get done. You just go to your uh, mental health professional, they can sign off on it, and now all of a sudden this is an emotional support animal and it's not as rigorous as the requirements for a service animal. So I think that's what a lot of the public's confusion comes with where people get annoyed with these service animals. It's not actually trained service dogs or animals that are trained to perform a specific task to help this person in need with that specific disability. Um, so we're going to take some of these examples of when you can and can't use a service animal or an emotional support animal, and we're going to go through some stories that you know we've had cases of in the past as well as um, what's been going on in the news. So, Pete, why don't we start out with your case that you had of a restaurant owner that wouldn't allow a service animal in? We've actually had a couple of those cases, and we the facts basically are person walks in with support animal. Owner of a restaurant says... Support animal or service animal? No, no, uh, a service animal. You're okay. right. Not an emotional support, an right. actual service animal. And the owner of the restaurant says, you can't have that dog in here, and basically tells the patron, take the dog and leave. And the reason for that is just as, I mean, it's not like, and this was a few, this was years ago. Years ago. So it wasn't as uh, in tune as it is now. But the reason is people sitting in the restaurant were complaining. They don't want the dog near their food. They don't want the dog hair near their food. Some people just don't like dogs. Some people are allergic to dogs and they didn't want a dog to be in the restaurant. So that's why he kicked it out. Not just because he was being a mean guy or something. No, no, you're right. And what winds up happening is we knew this particular uh, individual and he explained to the manager of the restaurant that this animal is a 
a service animal, I need him for my disability, which frankly he wasn't obligated to do. And again, after the knowledge, the manager of the restaurant says, I don't care what that dog is, get it out of the restaurant. At which point we started the process for an ADA claim. Right, exactly. So in addition to an ADA claim, well, we've and we've had it on both sides. So we've also represented restaurants that have kicked out service animals and people that have brought service animals into restaurants. Um, so one of the other things that's interesting about that is, is turning away a service animal or kicking out a service animal is now actually a misdemeanor charge in Florida. So you can be criminally charged for doing this. Um, and what's really interesting about it is if you have an issue, if you're a restaurant owner, you own a hotel, you own apartments, whatever, and you're trying or, and you don't allow a service animal to come in the Florida law, which basically takes the ADA and adds a little bit to it. Florida law is not allowed to, um, not do something that ADA allows. So ADA governs above Florida law. Um, but they say that service animals are allowed and it covers, all public transportation, hotels, timeshares, places of amusement, resorts, and any other place where the public's public is invited. And what's really interesting about this is they, if somebody comes with a service dog, and this is the reason why, even with all these stringent rules, why so many people can fake service dogs, and we'll get more into how that works later, but you are not allowed as an establishment to require the person to provide documentation that their animal is trained and they cannot ask the person about their disability. You can ask as an establishment owner, uh, whether or not the animal is a service animal required for that person's disability. You can't ask what the disability is, but you can just say, is this animal required for whatever disability it is you have? And you can also ask about what the work is that the animal has been trained to perform. That's as much as you can ask. You can't ask for documentation. You can't ask how long they've been trained. You can't ask, you know, uh, how they help your disability. You can't ask any of those specific questions. Interestingly enough, when we were in that case 10 years ago, my client's uh, dog did not have a service animal vest. And if you remember, those of us that are old enough, back in the old days, Every service animal had a vest that says, service animal, do not touch, I'm working, something like that. Well, that's not necessary. It's not, a, it's not obligatory to have that. And frankly, I think people realized that if you require but a I service think that, animal. But I think that's an argument that you can bypass the first question. If they're wearing the vest, then they shouldn't even have to ask if it's a service Absolutely. animal. Absolutely. If they're right. wearing a vest, it's over. Right. But just because the animal's not wearing a vest doesn't Correct. mean they're not a service animal because a lot of people have felt um, isolated because everywhere they went, they had a dog with a vest on it. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of small dogs, for example, are used for people uh, that have seizures and the dogs can sense when somebody's having a right. seizure and they didn't want to explain every time right. why I have this dog with me because they don't want to talk about their medical condition to everybody that they see. So we've also had some cases dealing with homeowners associations and uh, people that live in these either apartments or houses where you're only allowed to have one pet or the pet's got to be under 30 pounds or you're only allowed to have two pets or whatever and they have tried to go get their dogs or pets certified as service animals or emotional support animals to try to get them to bypass that rule. Um, and what is interesting about that from the HOA's perspective is they cannot challenge that. So once the person provides the paperwork that this is a service animal and here's the work that they uh, provide, then those dogs, not only are you allowed to have that dog, but those dogs don't even count in how many dogs you're allowed to have. For example, if the HOA says you're only allowed to have one dog and you have four dogs, 
but three of them are emotional support dogs or service animals, then you cannot count those three service dogs as dogs that the person has. So when they have four dogs and three of them are service dogs, you only count one of them, so they're technically within the requirements. If all four of them are service dogs, they technically have zero dogs. And it's crazy, because even if that apartment complex charges people um, uh, deposits for pets, they are not allowed to charge any for those service dogs. So if you're allowed to have as many dogs as you want, but it's a $50 deposit every time you have a dog, well, you can't charge $50 for any of those dogs if they're all service dogs. Okay, the next case, uh, why don't you talk about the uh, the issue that you had at a school that wouldn't allow a service dog? We had a client who was actually a disabled military veteran and his disability, I'll share it with you since we're not talking about who it is specifically, is that he had PTSD. And he had a service animal, and I want to be clear, not an emotional support dog, a service animal that was with him all the time. And this animal was vested, uh, had the you know, harness on it, and his, uh, I'm not exactly sure what the animal did, but he could sense something for, for, the, you know, for my client. So he takes the, uh, his child to school, and one of the volunteers at the school tells him, hey, you, you can't have that dog in this building. So the, uh, our client you know, proceeds to explain to the volunteer that, look, man, it's a service dog. You know, it's got the vest on. Um, I need him for my disability. And, of course, the next question is, what disability do you have? Well, I'd rather not talk about it. He goes, well, you don't have a choice. You have to tell me, says the volunteer. At which point, the rigmarole begins. Right, and, and you can't do that. So, and that's, those are the issues that are coming up in some of our cases that it's just people need to be educated on how to deal with people that have service animals. And I think if you look at the news, which we're going to jump into the, the most recent um, buzz in the news about surface, service animals, but people are coming down hard saying this is all BS and all these service animals are fake. And, and that's starting with the Delta Airlines case. Now that there has been an instance where I believe it was a child that got attacked by a service animal um, well, there have been more than one. Right. And now Delta's coming back saying they're not allowing uh, pit bulls, is it? Correct. Okay. So they're saying they're not allowing pit bulls on any of their flights, even if they're service animals. So give a little background about that. All right. Let's talk about how this all is set up. There is something called the Air Carriers Access Act. And this law pretty much allows service animals and emotional support animals to fly inside the both ca- emotional both. support yes okay. both to fly inside the cabin of an aircraft for free how does this thing happen i'll tell you why apparently there was a service animal a dog that went underneath a uh, an aircraft one time and the dog was supposed to go to kansas and it wind up going to japan so obviously when that uh, person the disabled person got off a flight and their dog's not on not not only not in their plane but going to Japan there was hell to pay. So this is kind of what starts the um, the Air Carriers Access Act. But there are limitations. The Air Carriers Access Act allows the individual airline to make a determination about whether a service animal and I use that in quotes meaning emotional support animal um, is something that they uh, have the right to turn away. For example, snakes, animals that are overly large, or, and this is where the issue with Delta is, animals that pose a direct threat to the health or safety of others can be excluded. So that specific language, anybody, any animal that post, poses a risk of health and safety to others, that's 
a blanket across the board. So for instance, if the restaurant case we were talking about before, if this animal's growling and looking like they're about to bite a kid at the table next to them, then they can kick them out. You document the reason that you kick them out. You say it's because they posed a, a risk of danger to another patron, and that's perfectly fine. You can kick that animal out if they are doing something that poses a risk. Um, but in this case also, they say that you are not allowed to pick a specific type of dog, for instance, pit bulls, and say that they are uh, uh, flatline excluded, blanketly excluded from all aircrafts, even though that's exactly what Delta's trying to do. Well, let me tell you, specifically, they don't actually mention pit bulls. What the Delta policy says is, in quotes, bulldog type, end quote, dogs. Uh, by the way, it also includes goats and hedgehogs uh, are not allowed to fly in the cabin. Which which some people I already saw are commenting on it legally speaking that Delta might this might not be upheld because they are being kind of specific and blanketly excluding certain animals. You know the thing is I don't know if they're going to have problems with hedgehog or goat, but you know what they didn't say? They said uh, bulldog types, meaning they're excluding a particular breed of an animal as opposed to an animal as a whole that is deemed dangerous. Yeah, the point is they're trying to fight back basically for the safety of the patrons on the plane, which I can understand that. I mean, I can't tell you what I would do if, if that happened to my kid on a plane where some dog that was allowed to be on the plane attacked him and you're in this small space. There's not really much you can do. Um, so that takes us to kind of our next point, which what is the liability? They have all of these, they can bypass all of this, um, all these other legalities because it's a service animal. Can they bypass the liability if their dog attacks somebody? Short answer, no. At the end of the day, it is still an animal. You are obligated as the owner of that animal to ensure the safety of the people around you. And in Florida, it's clear. The dog bite statute is the statute is the first bite you're liable for. You don't have to have any knowledge of danger of this uh, of this animal. And that's, I think, why it goes hand in hand with some of the requirements we talked about before where it's got to be on a leash, it's got to be on a harness, or it's got to be under voice command trained to be under that voice command of the owner because the owner is still liable if it does attack somebody. And in your apartment complex or HOA or whatever where you don't have to pay that deposit for having an animal, if your animal causes damage to that property, you still are liable for that even if it is a service animal. So it doesn't absolve you of the animal's uh, or of the liability on the animal's behalf as the animal's owner. So you're still on the hook if your service animal causes problems or damage to anybody or any property. So I think that's important to, to note that it's not you're not absolved of everything, even if you're absolved of the extra charges it may cost to have your animal around. You're not absolved of the liability if your animal does something wrong. And I think that's important, and that can be a comfort to some of the people around that, that might not like how many service animals there are. And now I want to move into the last section, and we've been talking about some people being angry about service animals, and I can understand their issues, but my biggest issue, and we're getting into the fake service animals section, my biggest issue with the fake service animals and the people that are really pushing hard to get every single animal they have or as many as they can to get all these benefits is it really, really hurts the people with real disabilities and real needs for these service animals. I've seen service animals, just like you said, a big guy, big guy with balance issues and he loses his balance and he can literally sit on this dog as if it was a horse and it's literally just a dog. So I can understand why a mini horse would work because of their stature. But I mean, he literally is starting to fall over. This dog gets under him. He can sit down on the dog. 
and it's as steady as a chair when he sits sure. on it. If you try to sit on just any dog, that dog skirts away and flies away and you fall down right on your butt. But this guy can literally sit on this dog. Sure. Or the other extreme, which is the lady that had the service dog uh, because it sensed her seizures. Right. Apparently she emitted some sort of pheromone and the dog could sense it. So she knew at that point, stop driving, pull over, take her medication. And for her, it, it's a matter of life or death. Exactly. So, I mean, these animals are crazy talented and, and skilled and trained, and it is awesome to see them work, which is why it's annoying for all these people that have fake service animals. I will bet that if we do a little bit of research and we see the news kind of develop over this dog that bit this person on the, the plane, I will bet you that that dog was not a, and I'm going to say it specifically, a service animal. Yeah, I don't I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think we'd be kind of taking a leap there without knowing, but... Because you also don't know what caused the dog to bite or anything like that if it was if it was provoked or whatever. But I think that it is pretty clear they're obviously trained to do all these wonderful things. They're also trained to not bite and, and lunge at, at people that may be around them because they are so calm. And we actually have a judge in our um, in our Clearwater Courthouse here that trains service animals, and it's really cool. So we had this hearing, and it's an hour-long hearing with you know, some clients being louder than others and us making arguments to the judge, her making decisions. And at the end, she says, oh, do you want to meet Lola or whatever the dog's name is? And this dog was sitting at her feet the whole time. We never heard her. The dog didn't make a peep. The dog didn't move. You didn't even know the dog was there the entire hearing. And it was really right. cool at the end. Until she took the leash off the dog, then the dog's personality came out. Right. So, I mean, it was it was really cool to see how, how they get trained and how they can really be silent and you don't even know they're there. Um Okay, so let's talk about what we talked about what the repercussion is for kicking out a service dog. What's the repercussion for faking a service dog's documentation? The, uh, the punishments, actually, and, the, and the, the crime itself is the same. If you fake having a service animal, if you fake training a service animal, you are uh, liable for a misdemeanor of the second degree, punishable up to 60 days in jail, and there are some special provisions for those that uh, are involved in that that require you to take... 30 uh, hours. 30 hours, yeah. 30 hours of community service at a disability-based service uh, or, or charity. And some people may be wondering out there, why would people fake a service animal? I mean, we've gone over a bunch of benefits. You can save money. You save deposits. You save charges. You don't have to pay for them to go anywhere with you. You're allowed to bring your dog or your animal with you wherever you go. Um, you can uh, uh, just say that this animal is an emotional support animal or a service dog, and nobody can really challenge you on it. So, I mean, those are the issues that people face and that these, you know, uh, uh, companies and restaurants and amusement parks and even airlines are facing and they're dealing with, and that's why it's so frustrating for them because it does bother some of the other patrons. So if these aren't real service animals, and I got to be honest, I don't care how mean a person is or how much a person hates animals. If you see a guy with a disability that the service animal is actually helping, you got to be a cold-hearted guy to really not want that service animal on the plane. If you just see somebody that's perfectly fine but wants to bring their dog on a plane, I can understand why you're a little bit more annoyed, especially when, you know, I got to put my baby on my lap or buy an extra chair for my three-year-old or whatever. I can understand, or, or somebody that's overweight's got to buy two chairs and whatever, and you just see this person bringing their dog on the plane with them, I can understand why they get a little bit more annoyed with that. But you also don't know what somebody's disability is, so that's why you can't judge it from the outside, which is why we've got to find a way to crack down on the fake service animal, you know, people that are just faking it. 
you know, and I think that's really important going forward is to see now that you have the big companies like Delta and some of these other restaurants or amusement parks that are really cracking down on it. It'll be interesting to see how, how the law change and what people are going to be allowed to do in the future. Yeah, but I'll bet you that Delta's position on pit bulls is not going to be upheld. Uh, they're going to have to find a more I agree uh, objective way to determine whether an animal should be excluded from flight. Uh, just by picking the breed, because frankly, there's a lot of argument on the other side saying just because it's a pit bull, if it's gone through the rigors of training, it is a service animal, a person depends on it, you can't just unilaterally exclude them because of the breed of the dog. Because what's next? German Shepherd? Which yeah, is the I number one I don't know. service animal? Right. So, so we'll see how it goes going forward. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. If you have any questions, hit us up on social media or on our website, tragoslaw.com, and we'll be back with you next time. <laughs>